It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. A sweet 16 appearance for the Kansas basketball Jayhawks. How about that, guys? Nobody believed. Nobody believed in the number one seed Kansas Jayhawks that they would beat a 16 and a 9, and they just barely did. Let's go. That was Nick's reaction after uh, after a very exciting win. Let's go. I agree, oh, Nick. Sp- this speaking is of Kansas basketball, oh, sorry, just to completely derail the show immediately. That's okay. Uh, Kansas women's basketball is also playing right now. Yeah, uh, yeah they are. 32. Just turn that on. I don't know what the score is. I, it's not been going good. for, th- it's probably not probably going not, great. But... Landon, you're, you're going to report back on that here in a few minutes. Oh, yes. This is Inside the Paint. And, uh, well, we're, you're going to listen to us analyze Kansas and uh, Creighton, which was a nail-biter that ultimately goes in the Jayhawks column. But one thing that I don't recommend is listening to us for bracket pool advice. We're going to give an update on the Rock Chalk Blog bracket pool as we're down to 16 teams left in the NCAA tournament. But I'll just ask you guys right off the top, how how is your bracket doing? Uh, bad. Uh, the whoop, 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 whoop. Whoa! Mine uh, is basically it. Mine ah, is gotcha. Mine is probably not as bad as you guys. I'm 15th percentile right now nationwide. Oh! Uh, which, for reference, that is uh, 15 14th millionth out of 16 million brackets. So <laughs> wow, that's hey, pretty bad. At least, at least you're uh, you're no less. Uh, you're no more not perfect, whatever the phrase is, than everybody else. There are no more perfect brackets left. I don't even think that we made it halfway through the day on Friday without it. But you may wonder, wow, these guys talk a lot of basketball. How is their how is it that their brackets aren't doing very well? Because well, teams like Iowa State are in the Elite or Sweet Sixteen, that's what. There's that. And then if you missed our bracket preview show where we all made our predictions, I put together a little montage of what you missed that well, this sums up why the brackets aren't doing very well. I like Kentucky this year. I got, I kind of root for them this year. We're all on Kentucky getting to the Final Four. I also have Kentucky in my national championship. Kentucky over Kansas, 79-73. I got big blue. I got Kentucky uh, for another championship. Ouch. Ouch. That's 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 about the tone of everything we say, I feel. Yeah, but we're not normally that wrong. We don't normally make a prediction and then watch it go straight into the litter box like that happened. True. Yeah. Also, update on the Kansas women. After the first quarter, it's 20-18 to 18 Stanford, so close game, actually. Wow, that's a lot closer than what the one seeds were doing to, like, Howard the other day. That mm-hmm. was not—that shouldn't have been on TV. Uh, and, hey, Baylor, the Baylor women lost, so maybe the Stanford women— And uh, Caitlin Clark and the Iowa women lost. 
That's right. Yeah, it's been it's been chaos everywhere. I get an alert every five minutes about an update from either the men's or the women's tournaments on the ESPN Tournament Challenge app. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm amazed. I didn't know that was the score. That's going to be their next their next score. Okay, let's talk about the White Brigade and the Creighton Blue Jays. We didn't introduce ourselves, by the way. I'm Ryan Landreth. That's Landon Fields, and that's speaking Nick of the White Brigade. Speaking of the White Brigade. <laughs> oh, all right, yeah. This, the White Brigade is another name for this podcast. Which, no, no, it's worry. not. It's not. Oh, okay. Do I have to beep that? No, no, it's a good joke, but it absolutely is not the name of the podcast. <laughs> gotcha, yeah, it's it's not, well, you know, okay, all right. Number one, Kansas, 79. Number nine, Creighton, 72. Um, exhale. I wish I had an exhale drop on the board because that was <sighs> that was all of us. Um, was that fun? Did you have fun watching this game? Um... I did watch this game. <laughs> but I don't know how I felt. You didn't necessarily have fun. I had fun at the end. The last 30 seconds were great. That's And I had fun mm. watching Remy. Remy scoring buckets gives me joy, and the result gave me joy. The rest of it was pretty stressful. I, I got to admit, Landon, you saying you know everything was pretty stressful and not fun, but the last 30 seconds were great. <laughs> hey, phrasing! Mm, easy there. Nick, was that game fun? Mm-hmm. I'm going to agree with Landon. The Remy Martin part was great. Um, everything else was, was not fun. It was too stressful. In case you missed it, which if you did, I don't know why you're listening to us while not watching the games. Kansas led for the entirety of the second half, but oh boy, did it not feel that way as it took them 39 minutes to finally shake an undermanned but very gritty and tough Creighton team despite leading by a single point at 73-72 to with less than 90 seconds left and the Blue Jays having the ball the Jayhawks made just enough plays on defense. Ochai Abaji came through with a uh, kind of like a Tyshawn Taylor steal and clinching dunk against Purdue a few years back sort of play. And then Big Dave with a big block. Kansas reaches the Sweet 16. First time in four years slash three tournaments. It's been a very long time, guys. We were just, just three whole years since their last Sweet 16 birth. What is your initial reaction of a round of 32 dub over the Creighton Blue Jays? Really happy to see it. Uh, like I said, really happy to see Remy Martin play well. We'll get to him, of course. Uh, but like you were saying, Ryan, uh, a sigh, a sigh of relief is a good way to put it. It was a it was a very Kansas normally loses this game type of game, the way it was playing out. Uh, but they survived it. And it went to show this is the kind of game that you really need a Remy Martin for because no one else played especially well or scored a lot until the end of the game, except for one Remy Martin. Always going to be happy to see Kansas make the second weekend. And also, most teams that win a national championship are going to need at least one kind of squeak-it-out-survive game, uh, and hopefully this is Kansas's version of that. Um, and if it is, I'll, I'll take that. And their bracket for Kansas, we'll talk about it, but... You, you might be playing Curb Your Enthusiasm in a little bit, but this is the bracket that we wanted to see Kansas now set up with. We all feared the potential matchup with Iowa. Well, they're not there. We all feared the potential matchup with San Diego State slash Creighton. Well, that's now done. Uh, they're going to play Providence, who's looking a lot better, but that was the four seed everybody wanted. That's still the four seed that all the data, advanced data should say that they want. And Auburn, while being a scary team, you already know if Auburn's won or not. We're recording this in the second half of that game. They're losing, so even if they win, they've shown signs of being vulnerable. Or you might be looking at an 11 versus 10 game to, to determine who goes to the Final Four. Nick, I think you got to be pretty happy with how things have gone in the tournament for Kansas. One, 
Uh, the Jayhawks have played well, and Remy's played well. No one's gotten hurt. And two, the bracket is starting to, if not break their way, it's starting to look like the teams that are still out there, definitely, uh, I, none of them should scare you. And the Jayhawks, I think, should be considered the favorite to make the Final Four in the Midwest. you got to be pretty happy. Yeah, I'm not going to go into the whole thing of, all oh, they have 10 seed and 11 seed coming up. They're destined to win, make the Final Four because that burned us against VCU and all those other years. Um, so I'm not going to jump the gun on this one just to avoid the curb your enthusiasm. But uh, the enthusiasm with Kansas so far in this tournament is that Ochai Abaji is playing terrible, and they're still finding ways to win games. Won the yeah. first one comfortably, obviously edged out Creighton um, because Remy Martin has emerged. And now this team has real threats from like three different guys, uh, scoring-wise at least uh, Kansas does. Um, so I think that this team is in a whole different place than they were even a few months ago and, uh, due in part to Remy Martin's emergence. He's great defensively. He's great offensively. Give us him a spark, um, that Dewan Harris has not give this team, even though a lot of people thought that Dewan Harris was the better option earlier this season. Um, so seeing the Remy Martin emergence, um, I think David McCormick uh, with this week off here coming up before the, the game against Providence is going to have time to heal. Um, and hopefully that foot is going to heal up and he'll be a little bit stronger for the game against Providence, who doesn't really play inside-out basketball um, like some other teams in the tournament you'd want to avoid, like uh, Gonzaga. But Kansas, like you said, favorable path ahead. Um, they've just got to execute and take it game by game. Um, but definitely this seems like a year that Bill Self really has no excuses to not make the, the Final Four at least. And you talk about game by game, which transitions perfectly into maybe the biggest thing people are talking about after this game ended, which was... Kansas won their 2,353rd win in school history, which is significant because that is how many the Kentucky Wildcats have. Uh, they now are tied at the top. I was going to make a joke about how Kentucky's not playing, but we'll, we'll get plenty of jokes about them later. Kansas and Kentucky now tied atop the college basketball all-time wins leaderboard. Uh, I've been tweeting a lot about this just because this fascinates me. When Bill Self was hired in 2003, the Jayhawks were 48 wins behind Kentucky for the most all-time. It actually got worse. As two years into it, Kentucky had a really good first couple of years that Self got hired. So Kansas was down 56 to Kentucky two years after Self started at the end of the 2006 season. Well, they've now climbed all the way back. Kentucky has won 504 games in Bill Self's 19 years as Kansas coach. But Kansas has won 552, meaning that they finally have caught them on the all-time list. It's the first time since 1961 that KU has been at the top of the all-time wins list. Obviously, the opportunity to grab sole possession of first place should they beat Providence here on Friday night. Pretty exciting to see that. Uh, it's been a slow and steady climb that really they cleared a lot of space last year when Kentucky only won nine games. Pretty cool that you root for the team that leads college basketball all-time in wins. At least that's the way I feel. How do you guys feel about it? Yeah, I think it's really cool. And then obviously they have the opportunity to take sole possession of that in uh, in about a week. But yeah, no, I think it's really fun. Nick, do you agree? Yeah, it's going to be great. But up until they vacate the wins from when Sylvia to Sosa played, it'll <laughs> well, be, it'll be fine. Oh, there, I, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I have not given one thought about how that might happen, uh, and uh, Nick is here to step on my dreams like the the dream crusher that we you know is coming here. Yeah, in the they'll NCAA. be number one for a while until yeah. the NCA decides. But so enjoy it today. Enjoy how Kansas is tied for first today, and maybe uh, complete outright of number one eventually. Uh, I only have one other stat, and that's that you know the Jayhawks they are in the Sweet 16. We'll start talking about the players. Eleventh time in 18 years that. 
Bill Self has made the second weekend. Obviously, he's been here 19, but the tournament was canceled in 20, as I'm sure some of you know. So 11 times in 18 tournaments that Bill Self has made the second weekend. When he's a number one seed, he's made it eight out of nine chances. Uh, their first trip since 2018. A lot of teams get really excited about a second weekend appearance. Does that still like? Is that still the way that you feel? Oh yeah, it definitely is because you get a USC and a Northern Iowa and an Auburn that absolutely just slap you right in the nuts every every few years, um, and then it makes the second weekend feel exciting still. Pretty exciting. Okay, now I know that everybody is dying to talk about this next point. Um, let's talk about the white guy of the game. Hey Siri, play the hits. <laughs> gonna let this music play for a minute because it deserves to holy goodness ryan hawkins who entered having missed his last 13 three-pointers well he went three for three in the first half immediately bang 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 like all in the first seven minutes Creighton also got a career-high four threes from somebody named Arthur Kaluma, who is not white, but he had only made 23 all year. Uh, then you got Alex O'Connell, who is white, predicted white guy of the game. He made three of his own. And then there's Trey Alexander, who's also not white, but still fits this narrative. He shoots 26%, had made 16 all year. Oh, he went two for three, including, and I want to know what your reaction was to that last three Creighton made. They made 12 total. The end of the clock desperation heave that cut the score to 73-72 and made me well, it made me actually drop to my knees. I was I was so ashamed of myself that I let the emotion overtake me, but I could not believe what I was watching when that shot switched through the net. Yeah, that one felt like the scariest one, right? I mean Arthur Kaluma making four threes on being like a twenty something percent shooter, I think he is. <laughs> That that takes the cake as well. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and actually, Ryan Hawkins cooled off. He he came out of the gates like blazing hot, and he did cool off later, um, which definitely went against the narrative a little bit. But um, this 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 is what I was talking about when this is like a game Kansas loses type of game because they lose this game all the time when they have like four guys just absolutely firebombing from beyond the arc, and they survived it somehow. Um, but yeah, the last one especially, I agree, Ryan. That was like oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Please, no. <laughs> it's happening again. Nick, 12 threes. Creighton made two in a game that went to overtime two days before. And then they make 12 in this game with half of them by white guys. What were your thoughts whenever all those shots were splashing through the basket? Yeah, it's really just unexplainable and unspeakable every time that happens. Because everyone's first instinct is to say, oh, it's the it's the perimeter defense. But Kansas is a you, – you've pointed out the statistics. Kansas is statistically a good defensive team, uh, particularly on three-point shooters yes. this season. And it just so happens that these these game guys come in and they're not good three-point shooters and that they just fall against KU. And it's just – I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's recency bias or what it is, but it is annoying for sure. Hopefully they got them all out. Hopefully Providence got all theirs out in, in the previous game where they had 11 against uh, Richmond. So – um, but yeah, Kansas just seems to, to get the white white guy barrages every year. Yeah, if you want the stats, I had people, like, this was a thing all last year where it felt like teams were shooting way over their heads from three against Kansas. And I, I would make so many people mad whenever I would say, oh, this is such rotten luck. And they'd say, no, they're not guarding it. Well, three-point shooting defense more or less is luck. 
there's a little bit of patterns and rotations. Landon's pointed out all year this team struggles to rotate on defense, and they do. Uh, but, like, let's let's be honest here. Creighton entered as a 30% three-point shooting team, which is bottom 30 in the country. Kansas entered as a top 25 defense in the country against three-point shots. Even after- Which I don't care if that's bad for Bill Self or what. They are one of, like, seven teams in the country that were top 25 in both categories. Correct, yes. And even after that brigade, uh, you're looking at a defense that's allowing teams to make 30.4% of their threes, which is 33rd nationally. That's after the Creighton game. So you had good defense and bad offense, and what happens? Threes on threes on threes. I know David McCormick didn't get out on Kaluma a couple times when he made shots, but the whole, well, they're open, they're easy to make them. No, they're 26% shooters. Arthur Kaluma is not making open threes against anybody. It's why he shoots 26%. You think that these guys are being face guarded every night and then Kansas comes to town and they give them three feet of space? It's not like Creighton saying, let's just not guard Remy Martin and let him shoot. That's not what was happening here. Which they, they kind of did that once, but, right. but no, point the, taken, yes. yes. Right. No, that's what I mean. They did. Greg McDermott said after the game, like, oh, we yeah, just decided yeah. we weren't going to guard the point guard. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That's, it, it, it's mind-boggling. It happens every year, and Providence has a couple guys that, well, they sure look like the Alex O'Connells that are coming to lunch to take all your dessert and leave you in tears at the dinner table. So we'll see if that actually happens. But it was nice to be uh, on the other end of a... That did not result in an L, because we've seen it happen many times. All right, let's talk about the game a little bit. Uh, I believe that the first player we talked about recently has been Remy Martin. Nick, go ahead and tell me he once again was the star of the show. Yeah, Kansas' best player. Um, I'm the president of the Remy Martin fan club. Um, he was their best player, and I just want to point out that uh, they absolutely need a Remy Martin in these past two games, and he has delivered, who set a season high with 20 points, which leads all scores. Uh, he's 7 for 14 from the floor, 5 for 9 on twos, and 2 for 5 uh, on threes. 4 for 4 at the line, consistent there as well. In 29 minutes, 7 rebounds, uh, adding 4 assists, a block, uh, dominant in the first half, scoring 16 of his first 20 before halftime. Uh, would you start Remy Martin? I think we're all in consistency on this. We believe it should start over DeJuan Harris. Um, or do you like his off-the-bench role, uh, off role? Some people, I believe, on Twitter think that he should come off the bench. What do you guys think? Landon, um, I want I, your thoughts. Yeah, we, we were talking in the chat, the group chat, obviously, during the game, and Remy was playing really well, especially in the first half. Dewan hadn't played nearly as well. And I said, it's going to be hilarious when uh, Bill starts Dewan Harris for five minutes in the second half, and it leads to a Creighton 8-2 run. Now, the Creighton 8-2 mm-hmm. run did not exactly happen, but he did it! Uh, and the offense absolutely went down the toilet immediately, and I was stunned, but not because I predicted it, so I, I figured it was happening. Um, that especially can't happen. Now, if he comes off the bench to start the game, I still think he should start the game, but that's one thing. But when he's so clearly better than, than Dewan, he cannot come off the bench in the second half. Absolutely not. Um, I don't think he should come off the bench at all. I think he should start. But I can understand sort of why you'd start Harris at the beginning of the game and get Remy in off the bench because he's done well doing that. But on in the second half, that can't happen, especially. Well, and the weird part about it is, and I'm I'm conflicted on this because I tweet, they got to start Remy Martin because I think he's the second best player on the team. He might be the best player considering how Ochai shot the ball. And everyone's like, don't doubt Bill Self. Okay, fine, fine, whatever. Uh, one of the, the newest drops on this show is, is Nick one time saying this about Bill Self. Bill Self has his head up his ass so much. Which, that's kind of what it feels like he's doing by not starting one of his best players. I also understand that he's a spark. 
I also also want to say, well, you don't need the spark if the car is already going full speed when it comes out of the garage. Like, start your best players. Play your best players. And it's weird because Remy will sit the first six minutes and then Bill will play him the last 14 of the half to the point where Remy's like, hey, I need to sit down. And Bill's like, no, you're staying in the game. Like, you guys saw that, right? Remy was asking to come out of the game and self-waved mm-hmm. him off because he was tired. Yeah. Like, what? what? Yeah, really weird relationship going on there. I don't understand it. I, I would start Remy over Harris. I think Remy's the best point guard. I think Remy's the best for the team. So, therefore, I would start him. Does it matter? Probably not, but could you totally see a scenario where Kansas falls behind 14 to three before Bill puts Remy in the game and they're playing catch up the whole night? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I definitely could because I've seen it happen before. Um, recently, uh, Nick, do you think that that's something that could happen? Is that a significant fear of yours? I don't know. I feel like he's maybe against Providence. Remy Martin start. I don't know why there's any argument against it at this point. Maybe Bill Self needed another game to see what Remy Martin could do. But 20 points, I, I mean, there's no argument for him to not to start. I guess you could probably argue the, the point, the angle, that maybe it would uh, mess with the team's chemistry coming into the game, uh, which wouldn't make much sense to me. Um, but I, I don't know. I think Remy Martin should start start ahead. Like we saw against this previous game against Creighton, Ryan predicted it. Remy Martin come in off the bench five minutes into the second half, and Creighton kind of gets something going to start the half when Dewan Harris is in there and Kansas is playing basically four v five offensively. Um, so th- that can't happen And did you guys anymore. see? You guys saw Dewan Harris? How Ryan Hawkins? They put Hawkins on him because they knew Hawkins was going to have to be the guy on offense. It's almost like that they put him on Harris so he wouldn't have to defend. He gave him like four feet it of space. It was five on four. Yeah. He, they weren't even, and Harris, to his credit, did hit one of the threes that he took, which changed he that did. a little bit. But like Hawkins was just, he may as well have brought a lounge chair out there and parked it right there in the lane when Harris caught the ball. They were totally content letting Harris go inside. He missed the, he missed one of his hook shots. He missed the three. Then he hit a three. Uh, but, but I, yeah, Nick, the, the reason that self won't do it is because team chemistry and don't mess with what's working or whatever, but I would argue that this isn't working. I would argue that the, the first few minutes where Kansas, we've seen them get off to slow starts in the championship game against Texas Tech. And then in each of these last two tournament games, where they had four points at the first DB timeout against Texas Southern and they fall behind like eight, three against Creighton. I would play my best point guard. I'm going to give Bill Self the benefit of the doubt, which is not something I say all the time because he does know a thing or two more than I do about winning basketball games. And Remy's clearly going to get plenty of minutes. Uh, but no, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't start your best player. Everyone says, I like the spark. I would argue you don't need the spark if you start your best player. But hey, I do get the angle of, well, who's going to score on this bench? If Remy's not coming off it, well, you got the best three-point shooter in the Big 12 on the bench. He could be a guy that could score, but he needs minutes to do that. So, happy to see Remy playing well. It feels almost unfair. Like, we see this happen in the NCAA tournament sometimes when, like, a seven seed has had a really good player injured all year. Then that player comes back and suddenly the two seed loses to them. And they're like, whoa, they're not a seven seed with this guy. Kind of like what people thought was going to happen with Missouri getting an eight seed and then they throw Michael Porter Jr. back out there. That sort of thing. Kansas already being a one, so it's not like you can say they're under-seeded with Remy, but he makes this team so much better. They can win it all with him as their point guard, and it's awesome to see him back. I'm so happy for Remy, who had never won an NCAA tournament game, had never cut down any nets before this, and now he gets to go out there and play winning basketball for one of the best teams in the country. Awesome for him. Awesome for the team. 
All right, let's move on to Jalen Wilson, Landon. Why don't you tell me about the best rebounder on the floor in this game? Yeah, Jalen Wilson was huge for Kansas. He's had he scored 14 points, uh, matching that with 14 rebounds in 32 minutes. He played the five for a few minutes when Kansas made their big run to grab control down the stretch. Wilson was five of 14 from the floor, missing all three of his twos, uh, or his threes, I assume that is. Uh, but he made the plays when he needed to make them. Um, yeah, you're right. Good. Sorry, he missed all three of his threes, yeah. And we've been critical of this team uh, for not getting better, seemingly, as the season has gone along. But in this game, their best two players were Remy Martin and Jalen Wilson, who both improved tremendously uh, as the season has gone along, sort of. Remy was good at the beginning of the season, then, you know, you know what happened. We know. Uh, but still, he, he has improved uh, over the course of the season. Uh, is is the narrative that they were better in November still, still true, or are they better now? I think that that narrative has died. I think that the seven-game winning streak, it was, it was a fair point whenever they weren't playing Remy, and Wilson had improved, but Wilson improving did not offset for Ochai declining, Remy not being a factor, and Christian Brown not being as good as he was early in the year. Now, if you got Remy cooking and legitimately playing like an all-Big 12 first player, or first-team player, then I think the scales are balanced enough where team was top three scary in November, team is, is different, but also top three scary in March. Nick, is that fair? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I It's very exciting to watch Jalen Wilson thrive and you know talking about we talked about his maturity off the court we talked about how much work he's put in going from someone who when things weren't going well last year Jalen Wilson looked kind of disinterested at times he he didn't seem like the the most well-rounded team player in some ways now he's a leader on this team they do not make this position they're not even in this position to play Creighton in a 1v9 game without Jalen Wilson they ain't making the second weekend without him awesome to see how much he has impacted the team all right, let's talk about Ochai Abaji here. Uh, why don't Nick? Why don't you go ahead and read his stats, and then I'll come in with some analysis. I did some homework on just how much his struggles have gone. Yeah, Ochai Abaji, um, fifteen points, eight rebounds, um, season high. Uh, just kidding. Um, three assists, two steals, thirty-four minutes. Uh, five for fourteen from the floor, four for eleven on twos, and one for three from threes. Forty-seven percent from three in the first nineteen games of the year, um, and in the last sixteen games, he's sitting at an even thirty percent. Did he make enough plays despite the shooting struggles? I think he did. I think, Go ahead. I Landon. think he did too. Yeah, I, I, he definitely struggled at the beginning of the game, very, very much so. But I think down the stretch, he did hit enough shots and make enough plays. Uh, I, I think he played well enough. Uh, I do think if this team has Final Four aspirations, which obviously they do, national championship aspirations, they're going to need more out of Ochai shooting the ball. But to get to the second weekend, I think to get to the Elite Eight, I think they can live with this Abaji. Abaji is averaging 17 points and 6 rebounds in the last 16 games where we've kind of pinpointed his season now is essentially split in two. You can put the first half of his season, game one, through the Texas Tech game where he scored 37 points. That's a That, that total jump there spans uh, 18 games. Well, since the Kentucky game, he's played 16 games, so almost half a season. And you look at the way the numbers break down. I tweeted this out in Rock Chalk blog. In November and December, Ochai Abazi shot 48% on threes. In January, he shot 45% on threes. February, that number dips to 35%. And in March, in eight games thus far in March... Ochai Abaji, first team All-America, Ochai Abaji is shooting 27% on threes, which is horrendous. Um, I, I've, I've wondered if maybe it's exhaustion. He's He was carrying so much weight early in the year, was probably playing a little over his head compared to where he should be. But man, I mean, he's shooting 31% since that Kentucky game. 
Hopefully, it, fe it felt like after he got five days off, he came out in the Big 12 tournament and looked really fresh for a while. Hopefully, we have a similar type thing here. He's going to get six days off before the uh, the round of uh, 16 starts. Uh, but they're, they need him shooting better than 27%. I don't care if Auburn goes down. I don't care if Miami doesn't look good, if Iowa State doesn't look good, Providence, whoever. I don't care who it is. They're going to need Ochai Abaji to make threes uh, and, and at a much higher clip if they want to make a Final Four. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. They have to, right? And that was that question was for Nick, but then there was silence. So, something that we need to talk about and give serious props to this team is their free throw shooting, because we were not super happy with it early in the year, and then we've paid a lot of attention over the last few weeks to how it's been getting a lot better. Kansas has been a top twenty-five free throw shooting team since the start of February or so. Well, it all came to a big climax in this game. Don't pick apart my words there. It was great. Do, not do. 19 for 20 which yes i would say forget my phrasing 19 for 20 is grounds for the sexy sacks 95 percent and they got the offensive rebound on the one they missed uh wow it's going so well guys i absolutely can't see the 12 for 23 night in the elite eight coming from right around the bend against miami at this rate Good lord, is Miami actually going to pull this off? We're down to four minutes left in this game, and they're they're up double digits on Auburn. Nothing could ever go wrong for Kansas in that scenario. Uh, yeah, well, we almost got to see them play Chuck Moore early in the year. Are we gonna are we gonna see the Chuck Moore revenge game at a much more consequential? <laughs> Miami turn? has twenty. Miami has twenty six fast break points, and Auburn has one. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's that's it's been a night. We'll know the score of that by the time we recap other games. Free throw shooting, great. Bigs, not so great. Somebody tell me about Big Dave. Have at it, Nick. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, I've been distracted. I've been uh, watching this basketball game, but Dave McCormick looked to have a fabulous matchup. So does Kansas with Ryan Cockbrenner out, but he was ineffective when they tried to get it to him, and they also didn't throw it to him very much in the first place. Um, McCormick had seven points, six rebounds, and a couple of blocks in 25 minutes on two for eight shooting. Um, he did have a huge block that iced the game in the final seconds. Uh, meanwhile, Mitch Lightfoot had nothing in eight minutes. Um, yeah. Anything else here? I, David McCormick was so bad on defense. He was so bad on defense. Until he had a couple great defensive possessions at the end. I mean, he had a couple of nice blocks. I don't know if that, that makes up for, de if that's really defense, because they put him in a blender all night with, uh, you know, Creighton. We kind of saw Villanova do this against Udoka as a bouquet player. I was going to say, middle. I've never seen a KU post player get really turned around when they have to defend the perimeter before. And the coach not adjust by putting the guy who's more equipped for that in the game. Yeah, no, neither here nor there. Because they tried Jalen Wilson at the five, and they immediately went on like an 8 nothing run. And then to hell with that, we got to get Dave back out there. McCormick was so bad on defense, and Creighton, Greg McDermott's a great coach. He knew exactly what to do. Kaluma hitting shots also helped with that. That is one thing I will throw KU fans a bone, the ones that are saying the three-point defense was really bad with Kaluma's. They were all wide open, that's true. Uh, but McCormick, this was the matchup, man. I don't get Bill Self. I don't get Bill Self. All year long, he forces it into McCormick through double teams, ignores Ochai wide open, all that. When the matchups say don't do that. And then they get to a matchup where Creighton's got none of their bigs healthy. They're undersized. They're begging to attack to get them in foul trouble because they don't have a bench. And they just don't go to McCormick at all. 
I don't understand how this is the game that Bill Self says, okay, I'm not going to play Dave Hartley at all in the first half. I'm not going to even try it. And then when Dave starts to get going a little bit in the second half, they go to the five guard lineup, which works great. And Self's like, nope, back you go, David. I don't, I didn't get anything Self did all night with McCormick. Every time I thought, oh, well, maybe this will make sense. Bill would do the opposite. I didn't get it. Yeah, I agree with the bigs. Like, it does feel like this was the night, if of, you know, of all games, to feed the post, to try to work it through Dave and Mitch, this was the one. Uh, since non-con play, when you just could oversize most of the teams you played. Uh, and then they absolutely did not do that at all. They didn't really even try uh, to feed too much. I mean, they did a little bit, of course, but not like normal. Uh, very odd. Dave did not play a lot. It was strange. Um, but again, it's one of those things, hey, they get the win, um, and that wasn't necessarily the reason this game was close either, so it's it's not a huge problem in my opinion, but it was weird. I, I don't know what to expect with Dave. Providence has a much bigger front court than Creighton. Granted, Creighton was big, but, you know, then they got hurt. Uh, Providence is going to throw a 6'10", 260 body at Dave. Like, then what do you do? Is Bill going to go back to trying to score through that guy when he didn't even want to try scoring against a 6'6", Ryan Hawkins? Like, I don't understand it, but we'll, we'll see, I guess. Providence is much tougher up from a defensive matchup for Dave than Creighton was. But we've also seen Dave play really well against teams like Texas and West Virginia that are bigger and more physical. So who the hell honestly knows? Um, is there anything to talk about with the other bigs? I know Nick said Mitch Lightfoot didn't do anything. Uh, it's Dave or bust. We've said that all year. Mitch Lightfoot made some nice plays in the Big 12 tournament, but you absolutely cannot rely on him to give you good minutes whenever it matters most. It's Dave or bust. Let's move on here to Christian Brown. He had 13 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists in 38 minutes. He was 5 of 9 from the floor. He only took two threes. Uh, he made plays when they needed him to. Uh, and I think like a lot of guys on this team outside of Remy and Jalen, uh, he didn't play especially well until crunch time. And then he did make big plays um, consistently. Nick, would you agree with that? Or do you have anything to add about uh, Brown's performance here? No, it's it was. I'm still hoping Brown, you know, is, is going to be less hesitant to shoot the three ball. He, he's so hesitant, has open looks a lot, just does not want to put up the ball. Um, and I really hope his confidence increases because Kansas could use another threat uh, from the three-point three point land. Abazi is shooting 30% on threes in the last 10 games, and he's taking almost six a night. Christian Brown is shooting 60% on threes in his last 10 games, and he's taking three a night. Come on. Come on, Christian. Shoot the ball more. Shoot the bleeping ball. I don't care if it's semi-contested or not. Shoot the ball. You got to take him. You got to take him. And he's and he's been shooting at such a high clip lately. And you could argue, I guess, that maybe it's because of the lesser volume. He's not forcing up a ton. That's But nonsense. still, if you're going to shoot... I agree with you. I totally think that's true. Uh, I, I think that if you're shooting this percentage, you have to take more. Because, I mean, you're going to make more the more you take, in theory. Um, and I think he absolutely should. He's still playing mostly pretty well. He is having a couple, like, you know, uh, face palm moments. Uh, which are frustrating, but normally, you know, he's playing pretty well, and I can take that, I can live with that, but he absolutely needs to take more. And, like, the other thing is, Christian Brown kind of dictates the Kansas offense. When the Kansas offense isn't playing well, well, Christian Brown's probably not playing well. When they are rolling, Christian Brown's rolling. Like, it feels like every time they go on a run, Brown's got four of the eight points with transition opportunities, breakaway points. He is Kansas's best transition player. He's one of the best at turning defense into offense with taking the ball away. 
He runs the fast break really well for a guy that's his size with his relative lack of athleticism. They absolutely need him to be an alpha. He was more so in the first half of the year, and he averaged darn near 18 a night. Need more of that. Uh, if, if Christian's not going to shoot the ball and Ochai's not going to shoot the ball well, then you got to get more out of Jalen Coleman lands. And Twitter yells at me every time I say that because they think that whenever I say, if Ochai's not playing well, I think you got to get Jalen Coleman land shots. They think, I mean, if, if Ochai's not playing well, you need to stab him in the face 60 times and never let him play again. I don't mean you have to take Ochai out. You can play them together. I don't know if Bill knows this, but you can play two good shooters together. Put Coleman lands and Abaji on the floor and they'll probably probably help each other by spacing it out more no ryan that's that's too logical that's that right. makes too much sense that's you an gotta have mentality dave. and it sickens me actually you gotta have dave out there looking completely lost like Sully and mike whenever they get banished into the himalayas just like where am i as arthur kaluma's raining threes on the other side of the floor put wilson at the five and play coleman lands and abaji together please Please do it. Coleman Lands was good in this game. He was really good. And he's been good like 95% of the minutes he's played all season. He and that's played, been true all season. He played great defense on a couple of possessions too. That people tell me the reason he doesn't play is his defense. He was good on defense. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Kay Women, we're coming back on. Yeah, that's that's my fault. That's what I get for staring at my TV while doing a podcast. Jalen uh, I agree with lands. you, no, Coleman Lands. Coleman Lands made a three and scored five total points in nine minutes, which isn't enough playing time. I posted and it had a show. couple like big boards, if I remember right. Yeah, he was a good. He was really good, very impactful. Brown didn't do anything in the first half. Abaji really didn't make anything all night, and Dave was a disaster most of the evening on defense too. So Coleman Lands played big minutes. Uh, Dewan Harris, we haven't talked about him yet. He played just 18 minutes, which ties a season low, posting five points and two assists. Joe Yesifu did not do anything except for commit multiple turnovers in three minutes. Uh, do we have anything to say about any of these guys? Uh, not so much. Yesifu much is really say? bad. Nick, what were you saying? Is there even much to say about them? I mean, the no. refs. The refs sucked ass for anyone who missed it. The refs have sucked ass. all weekend. This has been the worst refs weekend ever. They suck out loud, and they suck ass. And I'm tired of people saying Kansas gets all the calls because, well, they didn't in this game. They were called for five additional fouls. So, yikes. I also hate Gene Steratore. Should I talk about that now, or should I wait for the North Carolina Baylor recap? North, North Carolina Florida. Baylor. Woof. Gene Steratore sucks, and so do the refs. Ass. KU, 41% from the floor. 38% on threes. That's 6 for 16. Not good, not horrible. And 95% at the line, which is awesome. They probably don't win this game if they're average at the line, which is speaks volumes to how far they've come there. They were dominant on the glass, which we all expected without Kalkbrenner. Kansas was plus 16. And they only turned the ball over seven times. Really, the, the stats show that they should have won by more. And you win a game by three possessions when Creighton scored 12 three-pointers? Like, that, I think, tells you that they played really well. To the Sweet 16 they go. Any closing thoughts? A win is a win. Always going to be enjoying a trip to the Sweet 16. Uh, and again, this is a, a showing of why this team has always needed Remy Martin and why it's so big that he is coming on now because this game was very up for grabs for a very long time. 
and he was really their only offensive spark for pretty much the entirety of the first half, or large stretches of it, uh, and that is huge uh, when you're playing down the stretch to have a guy like that. Nick, your closing thoughts on Kansas beating Creighton, evading Landon's prophecy of Creighton being a team that's going to knock Kansas out one of these years, which will still happen, I'm sure, just not today. Um, your th- closing thoughts on this round of 32 victory. Um, good win overall. You know, you evade. It's almost like they're they're facing their demons right now up front already in the tournament. They're, they're facing teams who hit lots of threes, and this time... They actually won against a team who hit a lot of threes, and I think that's a good sign uh, moving forward in this tournament. And considering the way their bracket is opening up for them, it's a Final Four or bust year now, I would say, at this point for Kansas. If it doesn't happen, then, well, boy, guys, I just want you to lock in. Like, we're going to talk about Auburn because that game has just about gone final. Uh, but with the news, what's happened in Kansas's bracket, um, if they don't make the Final Four, we're just going to open up a podcast with... Damn it, Bill! On recap, and it will sound like this. Damn it, Bill! Damn it, Bill! Damn it, Bill! Just over and over for an hour. And you might think that's how the show is normally, but oh. it would be worse this way. It, it, it will be nothing but... Bill Self has his head up his ass so much. So let's just hope for your sake and my sake that this is the year they get to the Final Four because, well, they they should. Round of 32 recap. Well, there's been a lot of basketball the last two days. I'm starting to get a little bit of fatigue, basketball-related fatigue, I think. So the break is coming at a good time. But, uh, like, do you guys know what I'm talking about, or could you guys do this every day of your life? Uh, Every day would be quite a bit. Um, A weekend is fun, but, yeah, no, I agree. It'll be good to have a little reset and then come back on, on next weekend. And with the way the bracket is opening up for the Kansas Jayhawks, well, we're going to need to emotionally prepare ourselves for what that kick to the ass in a week is going to feel like. But for now, things are looking great. But we'll get to their region when we get there. Starting a recap in the West region. Number one, Gonzaga got tested big time by nine-seeded Memphis. They trailed by 12 early in the second half. But ultimately, the Bulldogs behind an absolute eruption by Drew Timmy who I think scored 25 points, almost all of it in the second half. They come back and they beat the Tigers 82-78 to despite looking pretty vulnerable. Uh, the, the main takeaway from this game, Nick, I know you're watching it, was the uh, color commentator saying a thousand times Memphis does not need a three when they were down three. What did you think? Yeah, um, it was quite a Lance Blanks moment for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the announcers were just as bad as the refs in that game. Landon was at a Hillary Duff concert in Lawrence, so he missed this game. But uh, from what you understand about that matchup, Landon, Gonzaga got tested pretty good. I still think they're a terrible matchup for Kansas. I don't want to see that. But they got great free throw shooting team, even though they haven't shown it at all in this tournament. But you got Andrew Nimhard there to make shots down the stretch. He had 23 points. Timmy had 25 and 14. Just wore out a Memphis team that looked like they were going to have their number early on. Uh, Gonzaga is still the favorite to win it all, but I can't remember the last time a single team had that much pressure to win a tournament. Yeah, it's been a minute. Also, just to clarify, it was a it was a Taylor Swift cover band. Gotcha. Just being, gotcha. Hey, just being clear. You, you uh, had to get those new uh, the the red Taylor's version songs performed live in Lawrence. That had to be right, but fun. not by not by her. Only only by people that. It's a preview for what we're gonna do with Bill at the end of the year because when they blow this final four chance, that we're never ever getting back together ever. Like I will walk no. out on this podcast. Your <laughs> thoughts on Gonzaga? Um, man, who who could have guessed that they would get challenged by an athletic team, right? 
Um, yeah. And they did. And I think they're going to. And I think they're going to lose, actually, to Arkansas uh, next Ooh. week. Uh, that's been my prediction uh, since doing the bracket, and I think I'm going to stick to it. Um, Arkansas didn't especially look amazing. I, I also no. was not able to watch that game because I was at an actual concert. Not a Taylor Swift cover band, but I was at a concert. Um, the Wiggles. And, and they only, at a Wiggles they, concert. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Uh, that's why I do my Australian yeah. exit, Mike, because I watched the Wiggles when I was like five, <laughs> and I just wanted to stick to it. Um, but I, I, Gonzaga's vulnerable. Like, they're really good, but they are very vulnerable. But also... Everyone's vulnerable in this tournament. I don't trust a single freaking team to win six consecutive games. Uh, and Gonzaga, I think, is going to lose before the Final Four. I don't want to see Kansas play Gonzaga because I don't know how the hell they match up with that team. Like, Bad matchup for Kansas. Chet, I don't. I also don't really know how Chet's going to work in the NBA because he's he, he can't not foul anybody, and he's going to have to defend. So, I mean, can you imagine this dude trying to score against the big centers in the NBA? Imagine Chet trying to guard Joel Embiid. Like, he'll get there. He'll gain some weight for sure. Embiid looked pretty thin whenever he was at Kansas, but it's a horrible matchup for Kansas. Uh, you got, you're going with, I mean, McCormick and, and Drew Timmy is enough to make me absolutely never want to watch basketball for the rest of my existence. <laughs> But Gonzaga does look vulnerable. I just hope somebody takes him out before a hypothetical matchup with the Jaybirds in the Final Four. And Landon, your confidence in Arkansas taking down Gonzaga definitely isn't stemming from this matchup because they beat number 12 New Mexico State 53-48 to in probably the ugliest game of the round of 32 thus far. Neither team shot better than 34%. Arkansas actually shot 28%. Arkansas made 14 baskets, and they won, in large part to 22 of 25 at the free throw line. J.D. Note fouled out thanks to four charges. College refs are out of control. Uh, But tell me why you have confidence that Arkansas, despite looking very lackluster and beating Vermont a 13 and New Mexico State a 12, can be the team that takes out the top dog, literally. Uh, they are athletic. They can run with Gonzaga. Now, again, the, the Holmgren and Timmy problem is still going to be a problem. But J.D. Note, I don't think he's going to play poor, that poorly twice in a row. Uh, he has the ability to, you know, drop 30 on anybody. Uh, he's really, really good. Should be a top five pick in the NBA, in my opinion. Uh, he, he's fantastic. I think Arkansas athletically can go with him. and then, But obviously, if they can't score, there's no chance because Gonzaga is going to score. Uh, but I think what I've seen from Arkansas all year, they can play with pretty much anybody uh, they can run with anybody, and and they do play pretty solid defense, so I think they might be able to hold Gonzaga a little bit, uh, but I, I think they can do it. I, I do think they can, but obviously they're going to have to have a way better outing than they did against the Aggies. If you gave Eric Musselman 1,000 possessions against Chet Holmgren in a one-on-one game, how many times would he score? Uh, two, yeah. if you count free throws. <laughs> he may be able to just run under Chet's legs at one point because he's like three foot six. That's probably his best bet is to dribble the ball between the legs and get around. And all Chet would do was stick his seven and a half foot arm out and just grab the ball, like palm the ball. And I thought you were going to say his seven and a half foot something else out. No, but you know, you do say that, uh, well, mm. Uh, pick them Gonzaga and Arkansas in San Francisco on Thursday night. What, you want me to pick first? You coward. Fine. Oh, oh, you cut out. You cut out the phone cut out. Uh, Arkansas, Arkansas wins. Arkansas. Nick, really? Do you believe that, or is that picking with your heart, not your head? I'm just kidding. Uh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga's going to win it all. Bottom of the West bracket, number three, Texas Tech. If there was a game that could challenge Arkansas for the ugliest game of the weekend, it's this one. Notre Dame loses. They were game. They actually led late, 
But number three, Texas Tech wins 59 to 53 in San Diego. This was a John Higgins game, which means, yes, there were lots and lots of fouls and awful calls. In this particular game, the Red Raiders were led by 15 points and 15 rebounds from Kevin O'Banner, who hit some free throws down the stretch. The Red Raiders had a huge pro crowd for them, and they are going to go to the Sweet 16. First time since their national championship run a couple of years ago for them. Uh, did they impress you? The defense was good. Then again, it was Notre Dame. Nick, what do you think? Um, I, 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 I don't think that was impressive personally, but, you know, a win is a win. I think that Texas Tech is going to bother Duke quite a bit, who we'll talk about that game in a minute. Uh, but they're such a tough team to prepare for. They missed so many bunnies and layups. This was the game to get them. They didn't play well at all on offense. And it wasn't it wasn't enough for Notre Dame, who I know Notre Dame is not the best team ever. Duke is going to punish them more if they're not making shots. But Duke's defense doesn't scare you at all. Michigan State almost got 80 on them today, despite not being able to buy anything down the stretch. And I think Texas Tech has a really good matchup. They're the experienced defense team that's going to force a young, at times, careless with the ball Duke team that's not great at, uh, at protecting the ball, and it's not great on defense, I think the matchup sets up pretty well for the Red Raiders. They are going to play number two, Duke, who wins over number seven, Michigan State, 85-76. to Despite the Spartans having Duke on the ropes, the Michigan State led this game by five with, what was it? It was 70-65 to with five minutes left or something like that. Then the refs went to the rat side, and, uh, well, Duke ran the, the, the last few minutes or so. Paolo Bancaro, who did score 19 points, and then tweeted, y'all didn't think we were going to make it out of the second weekend, as if uh, Duke is an underappreciated and disrespected team who is not expected to beat a 15 and a 7, I guess. Screw Coach K. I can't wait for his time to finally be over. And Tom Izzo failed America by blowing that late lead. Yep. Pretty much. Uh, how do you guys see a Texas Tech-Duke game going? Uh, I would like to think that Texas Tech can win that game. And I, they definitely can. But what they're going to need is either a game in, like, the 50s, probably, which is very possible. Their defense is rated one, number one on Ken Palm for a reason. Or they're going to actually have to have one of those nights where they score. Um, and it's one of those things, if Duke figures it out, and if there's a coach that might be able to, it probably is Coach K., uh, if, if, if Duke can figure it out on offense, it might be a rough outing for Texas Tech, but I think they're also good enough to hang. Um, they are a lot of talent on that team, not as much as Duke, but I don't know. It'd be a very interesting game to watch. Definitely a little bit opposite styles. Yeah, I think Duke they'll... was called for... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I think they'll hang, uh, hang with uh, Duke, but I think overall, I think Duke is just going to have too much offense for them to handle. Um, in this game, which was 40 minutes... Duke had just 12 called fouls on them. Don't you tell me that officials, and boy were the officials bad all week, but the officials absolutely impact that game. That ball was out on Duke at the end of the game, and it wouldn't have mattered, but still, let's not act like that was clear and conclusive. Gene Sterator, get your ass off my screen. But whenever it comes to the Duke and the refs, I mean, do you really believe that A.J. Griffin played 37 damn minutes and didn't commit one foul? Because that's what the Zebras that called this game would like you to believe. Yeah, that feels wrong. And they, they've been really, really bad all weekend. But uh, who, who are you and taking in that game, Nick? Texas Tech or Duke? I pick Duke. Uh, I think Texas Tech wins. I, I'm going with experience and uh, more careful with the ball. I think they make enough shots. I agree. It'll be good, though. It'll be really good. Ultimately, if, you, if your goal is to see Gonzaga not make the Final Four, 
Uh, who's the better bet to give them a challenge, Duke or Tech? Uh, I think I it's Tech. Know. Yeah, somebody's got to slow down their offense. Duke Probably, is not going to yeah. slow them down on offense. No, that all. is very true. And Duke can shoot the three ball okay, but if Duke wants to beat Gonzaga, they beat him earlier this year, barely, and it required an all-time three-point shooting night from A.J. Griffin, and that game was played in the 80s. They're not winning another game in the 80s with Gonzaga. It's Tech. All right, somebody else do the... Uh, so I guess somebody else can do that different region. I just ranted my way through that. Uh, well, then, to avoid some ranting momentarily, uh, let's skip on over to the south region. Uh, up top, we do not uh, officially know the result of Arizona TCU. Uh, they are cur Arizona is currently up five. I assume that they are going to pull that one out against the Horn Frogs, which would set up a matchup with Houston, who took down Illinois 68-53. We talked about it a tiny bit earlier. Houston did look very solid in this game. Illinois is a streaky team, but the Cougars took advantage of that. Uh, Nick, do you think Houston can actually make a run to try to go back-to-back -back in the Final Four? I don't think so. I think Arizona's gonna gonna frustrate them, and I think that that they're too good to avoid, uh, or too good to not lose. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Too good to to, to not lose to um, Houston. I tell you what, though, like Houston, if you believe the metrics, Houston's got it going on with Ken Palm. They're a top five team. Nick said they're up to two after this game today. They are a very scary matchup. They're going to play tough. They're scrappy. They're very good on offense. And the defense held Illinois to 53 points. Illinois scored a total of 107 points in two basketball games in this tournament. You look at Brad Underwood, who I know that we refer to Brad Underwood as a good coach. And I think he is a good coach. Uh, he was the guy that led Stephen F. Austin to uh, a couple of NCAA tournament performances that have since been vacated. But let's look into just how impressive that is. Stephen F. Austin, one of those games was against West Virginia. It was that big upset that ended up getting him the Oklahoma State job. Oklahoma State, they lost in the very first round of the NCAA tournament. He gets them in with a really nice run at the end of the year. They lose to Michigan in a game they give up 92 points. Illinois did not make the tournament, neither of Brad Underwood's first two years in Champaign. The third year, they were better, and it was canceled due to COVID. Last year, Illinois gets a one seed, gets hot at the end of the year, gets a one, and they lose by 13 to Loyola Chicago in a game where they only score 58 points. This year, they come in as regular season champs. They only score 54 in, in a game against Chattanooga where they almost lost. It was barely enough. And then in this game, they only score 53 points. Illinois has not scored more than 55, or excuse me, 58 points in any of the last three games in their NCAA tournament under Brad Underwood. Is he overrated? I think so. It's probably fair, but it's also just a very tough thing to do. He's a good recruiter. Yeah, yeah he's he is very a good, good recruiter. recruiter. But, like, he's good at winning Big Ten games, and I'm not sure how good he is in the tournament. Sounds like, uh... Damn it, Bill! But, like, the reputation that we actually give... Damn it, Bill! Great, like, great value, this, Bill. Right, yeah, exactly. Great value, Bill, by a substantially smaller margin. Uh, but, yes, it was. it's very disappointing for Illinois. Incredibly disappointing. I thought that they were the best team in this set of four, and they, they didn't look good at all, even though the technical foul was awful. Screw you, Gene Steratore. At least you had the balls to say it was a bad call. Boy, I can't believe that Gene Steratore didn't say, you know, I... You know, I feel bad for that official. He's having a hard time doing the best he can out there, and that's all that matters. Gene Steratore exists to pet the heads of the officials that are doing a sucky, lousy job on the TV screen. We don't want another ref. I watched three suck-tard refs out there 
farting their way, farting the whistles out their rear ends. I don't want another ref that I can hear a stupid voice telling me why the loser refs on the court do the right thing. Enough what do you with Gene's territory. The refs, Ryan? I want them all dead. All of them. Put <laughs> them we'll on a. And we'll get to the worst ref performance here in a minute. Put them on a rocket ship, send it to Mars, and then we can hear Gene Steratore say, well, you know, guys, I think the refs really did a nice job as they venture into outer space with their eyeballs being sucked out of their sockets and into deep space voids. Like, seriously, I mean, come the hell on. Is there a single person in the world who watches college basketball that wants another ref in the studio explaining the awful job that the refs on the floor are doing? Who wants that? The product I is so don't. bad. I don't, I don't want them to go to space, but I don't want another ref in the The floor. amount of time they spend at the monitor at the end of games, too, it's just like... You wonder why the NBA is a better product than college basketball. Obviously, one, the amateurism thing for years where the NCAA's corrupts, corrupts ass is making $2 billion a year off of this event. Sponsorships out the wazoo, AT&T on the TV, making you want to... Um, but you know, and then you, and then you see, and you see these games where the refs are just absolutely horrible, um, and ruining the actual sport because, you know, games are taking three hours. You're sitting at the monitor for five hours. They're missing obvious blatant, you know, charges uh, or charges that shouldn't have been called because it was actual flop. Um, and it's just, it's just all terrible. It's all terrible. The product's bad. What I personally do not understand in this entire world of officiating is they're so bad. And Fran Fraschilla, who is a mouthpiece for college basketball, I get it. Fran Fraschilla can't go on TV as an official that's partnered with the NCAA and say, boy, these refs suck balls. But he doesn't also have to say, the refs get it right 95% of the time. Because that's just lying out your rear end. They don't. They get it right about half the time. And it's a hard job. I'm not going to act like I know how to ref. I don't. I have a hard time knowing what's a foul whenever I can replay it 10 times. They have to make real-time decisions at a high, high pace. But don't act like they're good at it. They're not. And don't act like they're above criticism, because they're not. Call them out. And Fran only does that when the when the Big 12 refs make a call that goes against Kansas. But say, no, they got that wrong. Don't just say, oh, that's a foul. Say, that ref missed that. He's missed that several times today, but he's made sure to go look at himself in the monitor three times, and he's effed up five other things throughout the course of the game. Call them out on it. Put them in front of a microphone at the end of the game and say, hey, you really butched that call. What do you have to say about it? I'm tired I, I would of actually getting... love that if they did have uh, post-game pressers for the refs. They'll never, ever do that, ever. Yeah, no ever. accountability. I mean, you have to... No, but I of would course, love that. Of course, the players who just lose a heartbreaking game have to sit in front of a mic and answer questions, stupid questions from reporters. But we can't get officials in there to explain their dumb calls that ruin the game. So it's just all, it's, it's all it's backwards. Awful. And they're getting paid. The players aren't getting paid for these games. But I cannot stand Gene Steratore. I cannot stand how they thought the answer to let's help people understand why the refs are doing a bad job is put a guy who's a former ref, mainly because he sucked, just ask any anybody that roots for a Big Ten school. They put him in the booth and they bring him in whenever he just needs someone to say, oh, well, that's a tough call, but I, I agree. That looks like a foul there. Can't, can't You know, you feel bad, but that looks like a foul. They got it right. No, they didn't, Gene. Stick it up your butt. Okay, on that positive in note, next. In the bottom of that bracket. Um, yes, Landon. Uh, in we the have bottom. 
a rematch Ass. of the 2018 national title game, which did not feature Kansas because of one of these teams. Uh, Michigan it, against Villanova as Michigan, 11 seed Michigan, upsets number three, Tennessee, 76 to 68 behind a stellar performance from Hunter Dickinson. And then Villanova, uh, they got a push from Ohio State, but handled business and win that game by 10, 71 to 61 to go to their second consecutive Sweet 16. Only their fourth Sweet 16 in how many years, Ryan? Uh, uh, Their fourth. Their fourth Sweet 16 since 2009. And uh, two of the first three times they did, they ended up going all the way, obviously, as Kansas knows well. Uh, Hold on one second, guys. Let me get my white clown makeup, my nose, my uh, red hair. And here is me talking all damn year about why you should never pick Rick Barnes to do anything in the tournament. I read his stats. I said he's only made the second weekend once since 2008. I told you that white and black ten times. And then I picked the balls to go to the Final Four. And they do exactly what Rick Barnes does. They lose in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Oh my gosh, it's like Groundhog Day with this clown. No, I'm the clown. <laughs> Michigan, though, like, we were saying Michigan should not be in the tournament, and I still think that might be the case, but they have earned their way into this, no doubt about yeah. it, by winning yeah, two games Yeah, they really now. well. They, they took Tennessee's lunch money. And as for Villanova, screw him forever. I'm so tired of that yeah, blue and white V logo popping up every time they make a basket. I'm tired of Villanova. I'm tired of Archie Diaconos. I'm tired of all of it. Somebody eliminate these jokers, please. Well, it won't be Michigan. They're going to have easily their worst performance of the last week mm-hmm. against yeah. the Wildcats v- now. We think Nick, do you the have path any that- impassioned opinions at all? The path is setting up so perfectly for Kansas Villanova in the freaking Final Four again. And I've seen people on Twitter be like, oh, we should root for that. Kansas matches up well with Villanova. Oh my gosh, I will never believe that. Kansas could beat Villanova a million times in a million days, and I will never, ever be over being able to point on the doll and tell the therapist where it hurts about what's happened with (laughs) Villanova-Kansas games my entire adolescence and young adult life. Oh, man. Somebody take the Midwest. Somebody take, take the, Midwest. the Midwest. I will take the Midwest. Um, a region that Kansas will surely win and get to the Final Four, and we they did against VCU in 2011. Um, oh, no. Um, yes. <laughs> Kansas, obviously, just talked about them beating Creighton, so they will be in the Sweet 16 playing Providence Friars, who might have the creepiest mascot I've ever seen. Um, and not because it's a pre. It's so um, horrifying. <laughs> Richmond, and Providence. Um, Providence destroyed Richmond. No surprise there. A team that barely made it into the A10 final and won that. Um, borrowed time for Richmond Spiders, but uh, dominating win for Providence. Uh, despite all the all the talk that they are a good four seed for Kansas, they have looked pretty good. Uh, first game didn't look great. You know they they kind of scraped by. Um, South Dakota State, but South Dakota State a really good team. Um, so uh, we've already we're gonna save our predictions for the Kansas Providence here at the preview. Um, so we're gonna head down to the bottom of the bracket, which is probably the most shocking thing we've seen in this tournament. Iowa State beating Wisconsin 54 to 49 in uh, Milwaukee in in the Pfizer Forum with millions of or thousands of Wisconsin Badger fans there, and Wisconsin drops 49 points. Like, of course, they laid the dead like that. Um, I it was We knew Wisconsin was overrated. We knew it was a good three seed, but my goodness, 
Iowa State to the Sweet 16. I don't. I, 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 if you told me that back in like a month ago, I don't think I would believe you. Maybe on the women's side, but um, and then the the other shocker at the bottom of the bracket. This one was even crazier. Miami Chuck the Fighting Chuck Moores beat Auburn the two seed by 18 points to play Woo. Iowa State in the 11 to 10 seed Sweet 16 game. Winner gets Kansas if they beat Providence. Um, we all know how this yeah. one's gonna work out. Here is uh, here is Nick whenever he saw the bracket in the Midwest. Let's go. We're all pretty excited about that path. Uh, Providence props to them because there may not have been a more disrespected team. Like actual, not Paolo Bencaro's definition of disrespect. Like real disrespect. And they came in just everybody was picking them to lose in the 4v8-13 game. They've looked great through two games. In this game, they made 12 of 22 threes and Richmond made 1 of 22. That is 55% to 5%. Uh, so just total domination from the Providence Friars. Nick mentioned they have the most terrifying matchup or mascot in the tournament. I don't even know if they have the most pro- or terrifying mascot in this game. Did you see the spider and the friar side by side in this game? Oh my god! Spider's cool. It's straight out of nightmares. What is a friar? Well. Is it a priest? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a Catholic thing from a long time ago. Uh, but yes, Providence looked awesome. It should be an entertaining game. Bottom of the bracket, you couldn't draw up a better matchup for Kansas. The two and the three go down. Uh, we've seen Kansas beat Iowa State twice. Miami's a 10 seed that's struggled down the stretch. Uh, which game's more? Uh, which game surprises you more? Uh, Wisconsin going down or Auburn going down? Uh, I think it's Iowa State winning, just because I didn't think Iowa State had it in them to beat a top 12 team at this point. Uh, it's surprising by how much Miami looked like the better team in the second half. Uh, but Iowa State, I think, is also worse than Miami. Uh, and I think they beat arguably what is just the, the team that was playing better at this point in the season because Auburn has been very up and down in the back end. So the Iowa State victory uh, and them getting back-to-back victories uh, was surprising. I mean, they won two entire games last year. And now they've won two NCAA tournament games. Yeah, that's insane. Um, ridiculously impressive. Uh, we didn't do pick them on the top of the bracket. Arizona probably, uh, if you want to say, if TCU won, then wow. Uh, Arizona or Houston, who gets to the Elite Eight? I'll say Arizona gets to the Elite Eight, Arizona. and I will say they will play Nova. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Nick, you good with that? Villanova and Arizona? Yeah. Oh, wow. We'll pick Kansas-Providence in a little bit. Iowa State v. Miami. Who wins in the Sweet 16? Um... I think Miami wins. I think they're a much better team than Iowa State. Yeah, the yeah, luck's going to run out I, I'm for the Cyclones. They can't I score. I think it's Miami. They can, yep. Iowa State cannot score. I mean, look at this. 59 in the first round, 54 in the second round. Eventually, a team's going to be able to score against them. And then in the East region, which is the final region, which, holy goodness, was that nuts. Uh, the bracket has just been blown to pieces down there. Number eight, North Carolina. In one of the craziest NCAA tournament games you're ever going to watch, holds off number one Baylor 93-86 to in overtime. Total domination from UNC. They led 67-42 to with 10 minutes left. Brady Manick had 26 points and then throws an elbow, gets ejected, which kind of triggered the ref refing in the last whatever it was. Baylor comes all the way back and ties it at the very end of regulation to force overtime only for North Carolina to win in overtime. Just a psychotic basketball game. This game was 93-86. to It featured 56 baskets. There were more combined fouls. 50, 
four. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. No, it didn't. It, there were almost as many fouls. 54 as there were baskets. 56. Will somebody tranquilize the Jokers in the zebra costumes, please? Uh, that was one of the wildest games on every front. The refs were terrible. Um, Worst officiated game I've ever watched. Ever. In basketball. That was an all-timer. Everything was wrong. Everything. They were missing out-of-bounds calls. They were missing charges. They were missing... They gave timeout to Baylor when the guy was juggling the basketball. I mean, and, and North Carolina also, like... I mean, just a crazy game from every aspect. Like, I'm stunned North Carolina hung on to win this because... Baylor had every ounce of momentum. They were they had outscored North Carolina 38-13 from the manic ejection. Um, and maybe maybe in the game they they maybe they blew their load at the end of regulation. They didn't have any more in them. They took all their energy to get to overtime. But what a performance from everybody except the refs who were terrible. Thirty for R.J. Davis. Twenty six from Brady Manic. The basketball in thirty guys, minutes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Correct. In in uh, in twenty eight minutes actually. Uh, 27 for Adam Flagler, 20 more for James Akinjo. The numbers are crazy. We don't know who's coming back from Baylor and who's not. They were they were a team that kind of trended downwards as the regular season came to a close, so it's not stunning. But the basketball gods smiled on Kansas because Memphis pushed Gonzaga, TCU's a nasty matchup, and North Carolina beat Baylor, and Kansas got a Creighton team that was really banged up. So speaking Kansas of, got the best of the 8 Speaking nine of Baylor, I just got a text from a friend whose brother is an insider for K-State that LJ Cryer might transfer to K-State with the new coach. I've, I've heard rumblings that LJ Cryer is really close with that coach that just left to become K-State's coach. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. And then uh, number four, UCLA. They beat St. Mary's in an uninteresting 72-56 to blowout. It is North Carolina and UCLA in the Sweet 16 all the way out in Philadelphia. I will take the Tar Heels to keep the momentum going. There should have a, uh, a fan advantage there too. I'm going to agree. I'm going to go with UCLA. We don't know who's won the Texas-Purdue game yet. They're playing a nail-biter right now. Texas had a 10-minute scoring drought, and they're still hanging right in there, now down by four with about 10 minutes left. But we all think Purdue probably holds on to win, but I don't know if it matters because I think we're taking whoever has won that game to go to the to the round of eight, even though the Peacocks of St. Peter's, 15 seed, third ever to make the second weekend. And back-to-back. Yep, that's right. Back to back with uh, Oral Roberts last year. Yep, St. Peter's takes down number seven Murray State, seventy to sixty. The magic continues for them. That was a great game. The shot making down the stretch was great. The the ten point margin really doesn't do it justice. Uh, but I think we're all going with Purdue or Texas. Golden gift that they've gotten here with that path opening up. It's gonna run out on St. Peter's eventually. Yeah, it will. Oral Roberts came so close. They played a really good game in the Sweet Sixteen and couldn't get it done against uh, Arkansas. And- yeah. And St. Peter's does not have the ceiling of a Max Amos or uh, Kevin O'Banner. Um, the, but I'll be rooting for him. Go Peacocks. Absolutely go Peacocks. But yes, it, Purdue or Texas should absolutely be getting to the Elite Eight. St. Peter's is the official owner of the state of Kentucky after taking down the Wildcats mm, and Murray true. State back-to-back. Like, ouch. They need, to, they need to rub that in. Nick, who wins uh, between St. Peter's and either Purdue or Texas? Uh, Purdue. Do we have Ask RCBs? Yeah, we do. Yes. All right, we got to go pretty quick. Let's let, let, let's roll. 
Did that just get announced, Nick? The schedule for on yep, Friday night? Kansas will be playing at 7.15 p.m. Let me see. I think it is Eastern time. Um, so it looks like they'll be playing 6.15 or 7.15. doesn't say what time zone it is. Kevin Harlan on the call for the KU game in Chicago. Yes. Are they the first game or the second they game? They have the first game. The second game okay. is after uh, Iowa State and Miami. So it will be 7.15. It is on TBS. You're sure that's... You're sure that's 7.15 and not 6.15? It's 7.15 Eastern time. So 6 o'clock, uh, 15 Kansas time. 6.15. I was going to say that's a late start for the second game. If so, good. That's a good draw. All right. Let's do Ask RCBs and let's do them quickly here. At Kelly A. Hunter 1, who's going to give us the easier path with former KU guys on the team, Iowa State or Miami? I'd rather play Iowa State. Kansas is better than Iowa State. We've seen tw- two examples of this. I'd rather play Iowa State, yeah. Uh, Miami, they should beat either one. They'll be a seven or eight point favorite against either should they get there. But I would rather than play Iowa State, Nick. Yeah, um, but I can't. You can't complain with either matchup uh, if Kansas beats Providence. So, at AJ Stevenson, has Bill been listening to the podcast? Because it seems like he took some of your recommendations. Yep. Bill Self has his head up his ass so much. He's gonna love that new drop. It's that true be- though. That'd be hilarious. No, I can I can tell you Bill Self probably does not listen to Inside the Paint. As great as it would be, he would probably not like it, if I'm guessing. Oh, I, yeah, I think he'd listen about four minutes and be like, these guys are idiots, which is what some people do anyway. I would, I would pay money for Bill Self to call us idiots so I could use it as a sound clip on this show. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, that, that would actually be really fun. Uh, what question we want to do here? Let's see, let's see. Uh, at Camelot Golf says it is Charlie Moore time, or is it Charlie Moore time? Uh, yes, it that is. is the fear, but it has. It been is so always far. Charlie Moore time. That by the way, um, the only coach that shut down Charlie Moore. Damn it, Bill. Hmm, maybe he had more value than they showed. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Who we got? Um, at Rock Chuck AJ, were KU fans too uh too worried, or were they worried too much? about a matchup with Iowa and Chicago and not worried enough about a matchup with Iowa State in Chicago. That'd be a crazy, crazy fan uh, fan experience with Kansas and Iowa State for the right to go to the Final Four. You think the T-Mobile Center in the Big 12 quarterfinals is nuts. Wait till you see that. Uh, but Kansas should... Kansas should I, I would rather play a road game against Iowa State than Iowa at Allen Fieldhouse. I'm, I'm not worried about Iowa State, in nope. theory. And that... that Guess what happens next week, Landon? Guess what quote gets the Curb Your Enthusiasm music behind it here in a week? At Chocolate Shake, how about the Big Ten? Oh, boy. Well, we can all uh, have a laugh at the Big Ten because, God, they suck. (laughs) It was funny, though. Purdue and Michigan are the only two left, assuming Purdue holds on. Not good. At Ryman underscore Justin, who will ESPN and other media outlets put in the place of Coach K? Few and Wright are a couple that come to mind. Mark Few, for sure. He's their next golden boy. Shire, they just love Duke because they have the most fans. It's all a ratings thing. I, I'm so ready for Coach K to be. I, I almost said dead. I'm ready for his career to be dead. Like just. I think go you're away. ready for both. Uh, from what we've Seth Davis you. was like, Coach K is so youthful. He's teared up in his presser. Yeah, the jackass that gets too hurt to coach every time his team loses is youthful. Get out of here with that. The man faints when his team goes on the wrong end of a 10-0 run. It's a little backache. Yes. At Evan Phillips, 45, assuming Gonzaga and Duke both advance and have to play each other, who would you want to win that game? 
Evan says his answer would be Duke because they are more vulnerable, but K losing before the Final Four would be satisfying. Yeah, I'd rather Kansas have a matchup with Duke at the end than Gonzaga, but I would be so overjoyed to watch Coach K cry. I just want to see it happen at some point. I don't care who loses, honestly. I get to watch one of them lose. That's great. I, I do think rather playing Duke is the right answer uh, because I do think they are less of a matchup issue than Timmy and Holmgren would be. So I, w- I would take the Blue Devils. But I also agree, yeah, I, I don't want K in another Final Four. Here's a great question, Land, and I'll give you the keys for the rest. At RC Spirit KU, if we make it past the Sweet 16, I have a gut feeling that Providence will not be the final Big East team we play. No, God! And my favorite gift to go no. with it, yeah. Hey, let me just, guys, they're a two seed. They're a two seed. It works. Here we go. Here comes the two seed. Villanova's the two seed. That's big for Kansas. What if the final boss in that that saga is Kansas actually beating Villanova as the two seed? That would That is the Pokemon evolution we should be rooting for. And they're going to lose to Gonzaga in the championship. Yeah, and then Joe Holmgren's going to drop 37 on Dave. Uh, I like how it's not on KU, it's on Dave. Okay, Landon, finish this off. I see two more. Oh, oh, I put my phone down. I put the questions down. At KU Tweets and News. In an act of reverse psychology, I'm going to ask if you're ready for Nate Horkler to go 0 for 5 from 3 since I suggested Alex O'Connell would make a bunch and it happened. Yes, please. If that's how it works, I'm going to need you to, uh, to have a significant impact in these games. I hope so. I, I don't know how many times you can survive a Creightoning. Also says, is Ochai in a shooting slump, or did he have a really good shooting luck to begin the year? Yeah, it's kind of looking like that he's had two halves of a season, and he's the real Ochai is probably halfway in the middle. Not as bad as he showed, not as good as he was. Yeah, I think that's the thing, because I also think he's only had one truly bad month, and that's been March. But he's also yep. been declining all season. One more question, and then Nick, uh, Nick, answer this first, then Landon, then I'll blow the air horn, and we will move on. At Evan Phillips 45, what is your overall enjoyment level of this tournament so far? I feel like most of the games haven't been quite as exciting in previous years, combined with poor officiating and way too many commercials has dampened my experience. And it also seems like every single game has to have a replay of some kind at the end of a game. Correct. Uh, my enjoyment out of 10, I will say, has been an 8, because it is still March Madness. Correct. Nick? I'm going to say a and 9. Kansas is 1. Just because Kansas is 1, their bracket's clearing out. Uh, talk to me on a Friday at about 9 p.m., and I'll probably say 0. <laughs> yep. I was going to say, I've enjoyed it. The commercials suck. The refing sucks. The Coach K sucks. Uh, but it's been so awesome. Thir- the, the last half of Thursday was psychotic, and it's been a lot of fun. The, the round of 32, honestly, may be better than the first round this year. It's been really good. And there's been relatively few upsets, like... I, with the exception of Kansas's region, there's a whole lot of ones, twos, threes, and fours left, which should make for very entertaining games the rest of the way. I've enjoyed it on a scale of one to ten at a nine point five. First normal tournament in three years. First normal tournament where we have expectations uh, about the Jayhawks winning it all. As Daniel Cunningham just texted me, Kansas is not making the Final Four. We all know it. Yeah, <laughs> we we know we know that. Damn it, Bill. We'll be pushed in a little bit. If you ever have Ask RCBs, use the Twitter hashtag. <laughs> previewing the game as we are way over on time so hopefully this goes relatively fast number four providence and number one kansas friday march 25th at 6 15 p.m in chicago illinois the providence friars of the big east are 27 and 5 overall they won the regular season title albeit in mickey mouse fashion 
their losses. Villanova twice, Virginia, Marquette, and Creighton by 27 in the Big East Tournament. The Friars' backcourt is led by guards Jared Bynum and Al Durham, who both average about 13 points per game. Bynum is one of the best three-point shooters in the Big East, so he'll go one for six, uh, but he does shoot 42%. While Durham plays point and isn't a three-point threat, so he's going three of four, uh, but he's an elite free-throw shooter that takes a ton of shots and gets to the rim frequently. A.J. Reeves, Alan Breed, and Justin Manaya are the other guards and wings of note, with all of them shooting decently well from the perimeter. Hmm. The white guy of the game candidate uh, is Nick because he doesn't do much and then occasionally <laughs> I'm just, really I'm good. I'm frightened. I'm frightened uh, to take 6'8 power forward Noah Horkler, who averages 10 points and 8 rebounds and shoots 40% from 3. Dear Lord. Uh, coming off a game against Richmond where he went 4 for 6. Uh, good. He got it out of the way already. Nate Watson is a 6'10", <laughs> curb your enthusiasm, 6'10", 260-pound, huge center, Nice. Uh, that leads the team with 14 <laughs> points per game. He's not a particularly good rebounder. And with just a 59% season free throw mark, he's going to go 5 for 6 in this game against Kansas. Yep. Uh, fouling yep. him might be the well best done. route. Uh, curb your enthusiasm. Yep, that's right. Providence's biggest strength is getting to the free throw line, which they do very well, as well as any major conference team. They're a good rebounding team. They move the ball well. They rack up assists. And they defend the three-point line well, too. The weaknesses, at least what I can garner from watching them and from analyzing their statistics, they're not a great offensive team. Everything they do, Kansas does a little bit better, to a lot better with some things. Their pace is slow, they foul a lot, and they almost never force turnovers. They're also solid, but not a great three-point shooting team. 35% on the year is about, they're better than two out of every three teams out there. And yes, Nick is giving that. Uh, Landon, tell me about the illustrious matchup history between Kansas and Providence. Yeah, in all of their zero attempts, Bill Self has not lost. Uh, he uh, Bill Self is eight and two in the Sweet Sixteen at Kansas. Nick, name the losses. Um, uh, what, what was I don't know. I, I get the Sweet Sixteens mixed up with the thirty twos and the sixty fours. Uh, it's eight. Michigan in thirteen and Michigan and State, Michigan State in 09. Michigan. Yeah, it's the yeah. Michigan. So the only Michigan. last I checked. Yeah. Providence is not Michigan, so they'll be fine. Here's Daniel Cunningham's prediction. They are going to be tied with Providence at halftime. He's going to keep Remy on the bench to start the second half, and Providence will make four threes in the first four minutes. And by the time Remy gets back in the game, Kansas will be behind eight points and not get the lead back. Yeah, I've seen I've seen crazier predictions in my life. Uh, yeah, I mean, that sounds like every KU tournament loss ever. Kansas 78, Providence 68. The Jayhawks win. It's not a blowout, but we know the entire second half they're probably going to win. I think that Ochai Abaji uses the time off and plays well. Uh, I think he shoots well for the first time in a little bit. I expect Kansas to get a lot of three-point looks compared to how we've seen them how we've seen them at times attack in the past. Providence is pretty slow, so Kansas is going to try to score in transition more. This is not a great matchup for Dave, which means he'll probably have 23 points and 14 rebounds. Uh, but as long as Kansas doesn't get in foul trouble, I think they'll be just fine. They're a lot better than Providence. Providence has played well, but everything that they do, Kansas does a little bit better based on what I've analyzed uh, and evaluated from seeing them play in the past. As long as that white dork doesn't go off and as long as Kansas doesn't foul them a lot, I think the Jayhawks will win and get to the Elite Eight. Uh, I think it is pretty simple at this point with the way the bracket has fallen. If Kansas plays well, they're going to the Final Four. 
Um, I think... Now, Providence is a solid team. I do think they're good. I do think they've been a little overrated, uh, but they have been playing well um, in the last two games, and they have been a, a good team all year, but I don't think they're in the elite category. Um, and then at the bottom of the bracket, it's a 10 and 11 seed, even if it is a 10 seed that uh, I do think is a little underseeded, and an 11 seed that I... Uh, uh, we've seen Kansas play and beat. Man, you can't um, pick Kansas. You can't pick Kansas. You're yeah, so with it's, that said, it's going to be Kansas. really interesting. Um, I, I think you should feel good, but with that being said, Providence, <laughs> 74, Kansas, 70. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, I don't Nick. Think what's your you call? I should feel good, uh, but I'm going to pick KU anyways because um, I think they'll play better. And I don't. I, if they get... If they get Creighton again in back-to-back games, I just I'm gonna off myself. Um, I if think they Kansas get Creighton gonna, again, they they have a very good chance of losing. But I just don't I see mean, Providence do doing that. I don't. I think Creighton's gonna, better than Providence. I think Dewan Harris is gonna be on that dorky white guy. Um, I think he'll be clamped down, um, and I don't think we're gonna have to worry about that. Uh, nah, 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 yeah, get the music going. But <laughs> I think Kansas is gonna win this game. Uh, give me seventy-one to sixty-eight. Um, and then my, have, my hot take is that Creighton and Providence are like the same team. Yeah, Providence Creighton, maybe a Creighton little better because they don't remember correctly. Player. Creighton beat Providence by like thirty or like a couple weeks ago. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. But Creighton also didn't have their best player. Uh, Big East time for the Jaybirds. Let's see if they get it done. We'll be back. What? Probably Saturday morning after this game. After we've drank in our sorrows away. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. Whenever we're preparing for the one v eleven Elite Eight matchup. Oh, boy, nothing's ever gone wrong there. <laughs> nothing's ever gone wrong there. And by nothing, I mean everything. We'll be back later in the week. Enjoy your week. Don't bite your fingernails off all week waiting to see what Noah Horkler does against uh, the Jayhawks. Because you might we'll be, be crying all weekend. Yep. Yep. Elite Eight would be Sunday. Sunday is my birthday. Bill has oh, never oh, yeah, won your a birthday game. Is around now. Bill has never won a game on my birthday. And let me tell you, the last time Kansas got a double-digit seed in the Elite Eight was on my 16th birthday when they lost to the <laughs> goddamn VCU Horn Frogs or whatever their name is. I'm watching the Might as well, Ben. VCU Rams. Yep. So Bill can't do that again, can he? Uh, no, there's no way. Yeah, it's inside the paint. I'm Landon Fields. I'm Ryan Landreth. And I'm Nick Whitebert. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bill, don't you even think about it. Don't think about it, you bitch. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.